0: Hi, welcome to Skylark Opera Theater's third podcast ever. We're doing a little foray into this medium to uh, spend some time with you, share a little bit about what our organization's up to, uh, talk about uh, what our productions are coming up, and to introduce you to some interesting people. My name's Matt Belanger, and I'm a member of the Skylark Opera Theatre Board of Directors. And today, I'm joined by our artistic director, Bob New. Bob, thanks so much for being here with oh, us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. So I got to tell you a little bit about Bob. Bob is a really amazing person. He has done more than 100 productions now across the country. He's worked with fabulous uh, groups here in the Twin Cities with Minnesota Orchestra uh, and also groups across the country. And his work's been honored with several awards. And with Skylark, of course, you help carry on our mission of creating relevant and accessible performances Mm -hmm. of opera and musical theater. And uh, we are so grateful to have you, Bob. Thanks again. Oh, gosh. Thank you again. My pleasure. So let's start with this artistic director title, yes. uh, some people might not know. What is that all about? What does an artistic director do?
1: Well, the simplest th- way to explain it is that I'm responsible for everything artistic, which is is from the conception of, of what the organization is about artistically to what uh, repertoire will fulfill that mission. And then once repertoire is determined, casting it, uh, coming up with the designers, deciding where, in this case, deciding when, um, and and of course collaborating closely with the board to be sure that these are things that we think have um, the ability to sell, that mm-hmm. will be appealing to the public, that are relevant, that are and again that have to do with our mission, and then of course I direct the shows, which means you know directing the show, and and making sure that it's of a high quality, and you know then maintaining the show through its run. Yeah. It sounds like it could be a fun job. You must love oh my this. Gosh. I mean, you've done this for for years, right? Of course, I love theater. I love opera. I love music theater. I love directing. I love the creativity. I love the collaboration more than anything about it. So yeah, it's great fun. You know, I've worked with Skylark for um, twelve years. Twelve years. I did my first show in two thousand eight as as a freelancer. There was um, there was my my. Um, predecessor who since retired the artistic mm-hmm. director hired me to do a show and then he hired me very kindly year after year after year so um i've done 13 shows lucky 13 with skylark Ooh. over those 12 years and only in the last three have i been the artistic director so i had a long relationship with this company yeah and kind of and grown this is great yeah 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 so it's really nice to to have the title and to be in charge of the artistic part of this
0: great organization uh, for folks who might be listening, who may have stumbled upon our podcast uh, mm-hmm. from Skylark, who might not necessarily know about our group, uh, this group does fill a, a, a unique position in the Twin Cities arts mm-hmm. community. So it must be particularly interesting <laughs> to yeah. be the artistic yeah, director yeah. of Skylark in particular.
1: Well, I mean, I'm I'm glad to hear you say that because I I hope it does fulfill something that's unique in the Twin Cities because that was part of my goal when I came in as artistic director when the organization was first founded and we should note that this is this organization is 40 years old. Mm-hmm. And I think in the nonprofit world for nonprofit performing groups, 40 is like the old eighty. I mean, that's <laughs> longevity is a big deal because, yeah. and we'll get to it later. The, the challenges, yes. you know, these days with raising money and all that. So we won't talk about that yet. But yay for it! Call into TV. Yes, yeah. we call that a nice tease. Exactly. <laughs> but 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 that's something that we're very proud of. Yeah. And this organization was originally founded to kind of focus on the operetta um, part of of the repertoire, which you know is is. I think maybe an art form that's fallen a little bit out of favor and isn't mm-hmm. quite as popular as it used to be. And over the years, I think Skylark started expanding their mission and they started doing sort of mainstream operas, um, some music theater. And when I came in as artistic director, I I thought that the mission needed to be cleaned up and just clarified a little bit, sure. so people knew well, exactly. Well, and also I think you always have to look at your community sure. and see what the community needs and what else is is happening in the community. So. You know, we live in a place where there's a lot of great music theater happening on a very big scale. We have an amazing Broadway series. Um, do, you, do you know that The Lion King, the great, great music of The Lion King, got its start in the Twin Cities? I did do you not, not know, that? know that. What a fun little fact. Well, when they, they took the show out of town to develop it, Julie Taymor, who directed it, who's a genius— Sh- they started the show here, wow. and then it, it it grew, and they figured out. I mean, if you've seen the show with all the puppets and all that, it's so amazing. And and Julie figured out how to make this show work in Minneapolis before taking it to New York.
0: We are we are a little bit of an incubator well, here, yeah. aren't we? And yeah. Skylark in itself really does do that for for many performers. Well, I th- it it it's does like a career and launcher.
1: It, it totally is. I mean, that's one of our missions is to um, give as many opportunities as we can to local performers because there's so many here. But wait. I got us off track. I
0: <laughs> well, as artistic just, director, you do have a well, large purview yes. over all of this. So uh, um, uh, it's understandable. But, I get but,
1: it. <laughs> but when I, when I started as artistic director, again, I I felt like we had to look at the Twin Cities and what was happening artistically as far as stage performances. And as I said, there's a big Broadway series here. So you can see musicals on a very big scale. Mm-hmm. And, and the Guthrie now produces musicals. And, and there are... Wonderful opportunities in town to see big shows. We have a wonderful opera company that does operas on a very big scale. Uh, But it struck me in the Twin Cities, we have a wonderful major orchestra that plays the big repertoire. We have a chamber orchestra in St. Paul that plays the smaller repertoire. They're both brilliant. We have, as I mentioned, the Guthrie that does theater on a large scale with high, high production values. We have hundreds of, of smaller theaters mm-hmm. that do things in a more intimate way. Um, but what struck me was we didn't have a company that did opera and music theater on a small intimate scale. Yeah. Um, and that really, that idea really appealed to me. And I just had had some experiences both locally and out of town producing some operas that were site specific, um, that were set in locations that replicated what was asked for in the score.
0: Creating like a, an immersive experience for the, for the audience. Yep. They are in the show, exactly. not watching yep. the show.
1: And And we had some really big successes with that idea. And people really responded to it. So I thought it would be interesting to take Skylark a little bit more in that direction and clarify that these small productions were more what we were trying to do and also look at some of the standard repertoire and how to make it very relevant to Mm -hmm. today. If that means updating it to contemporary times, if that means rethinking the assigned genders, the traditional genders of certain roles, um, rethinking how the story is told
0: so that it might seem more relevant to today. I want to unpack that thought a little bit because Mm -hmm. that's exciting work to be able to do to be be taking a look at a a piece of work and and modernizing it for right. a current day audience right and i and I you know you you are joining us for board meetings and i'm there and i and as we discuss this exciting fortieth anniversary year that we have bubbling right now, more on that to come, another tease <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I hear you talking about. Uh, changes and and updates and maybe we could take this direction or that direction to try to uh, make the performance a little more modern, a little more up-to-date and relevant. Mm -hmm. But isn't that... um uh, I can't think of a better word than than scary a little bit to be uh, to be tweaking uh, sure. a, a piece of work <clears throat> and uh, so you kind of go out in the limb and say, We're gonna do this. yeah and and I guess the ultimate goal is that you hope it resonates with the audience.
1: well, that's it, and you don't know. I mean, yeah. but that's one of the things I love about theater is kind of that tightrope idea. And knowing that it may work, it may not work. And you know to when you're in a creative field, you're not going to hit a home run every time but that's what's exciting to see if you can but also the excitement of taking something that we all think we know and I include myself in that and rethinking it in a in a in a time now when things are changing so fast. Yeah. I I mean not only, you know, the way we think we think about I think um race and the differences and the similarities but gender mm-hmm. especially I think in opera and music theater gender because a lot of Older pieces, of course, are very—they're um, uh, very traditional in the way that men and women are well, thought of.
0: They were presented through a lens
1: yeah, of precisely. a different time, yeah.
0: and, and we're wearing yeah, different yeah, yeah, glasses yeah. today.
1: Yeah, and sometimes it's okay to present things that way because I think the historical—you know—knowing what what the history is um, has I think value. In, it has value because we learn from that. And if those were mistakes, quote, unquote, um, we know how to improve from there. So there are some things that I think are worth. I, I'll give an example of Carousel, mm-hmm. one of right. the great Rogers and Hammerstein movie, which is essentially about spousal abuse. And it essentially is about excusing and accepting spousal abuse. I, and I've done the piece and... And I didn't update it. I didn't change it because it is what it is. But that was an intentional artistic decision. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also addresses a period in history, um, not too recently. In fact, it could still be going on. It is still going on where not all women have choices Mm -hmm. about what their life is. And during this time in this piece, this was a woman who was stuck in a bad relationship and she had nowhere to go. She couldn't get a job. She wasn't independent. And, and and I think showing that on stage teaches us something about where we've come from and encourages us maybe to think more forward and not make the same mistakes.
0: So as artistic director of Scarlett Opera mm-hmm. Theater, your theater, you're um you're you're shepherding us through all of this with the with the pieces that we do. And we just had a nice run of the most happy fella. Right. Let's talk a little bit about that show. That was <laughs> yes. great. We the audiences loved it. Well, good. Thank you.
1: It's a piece that I adore, and it's. I always say it's the It's the musical that everybody loves, but they've never seen. It has. It has a score that everybody seems to know, and. And everyone is like, oh, I love Most Happy Fella,' But then they think, oh, wait, I've never seen it. <laughs> right. It's almost never produced right. for several reasons. One, it's a notoriously difficult piece just technically in that it requires really fine singers, like operatic quality the, singers The music and is so enchanting, yeah. though. But there's a lot of spoken dialogue, so mm-hmm. you need singers with sort of operatic voices who are also proficient at speaking dialogue and sometimes opera singers oh my opera friends are going to kill me when they hear this (laughs) but they're not always used to speaking dialogue so it's not something they have a big comfort level with
0: sure um so it's hard to cast and i think we can understand that you hone one skill one talent exactly really really well and that's your focus and yeah and this this show demands you to be good in kind of more than one area
1: yeah so i think it's not done often because it's hard to cast it um it's it's a problematic story. It's not a typical story. It's it's an older man who falls in love with a much younger woman, um, and the struggles about that, mm-hmm. and the younger woman. Um, well, I'll just t- the show's over, so I don't care yeah, about spoilers. <laughs> the younger woman becomes pregnant by someone else, and her older, um, the older man who's in love with her accepts her a- as she is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and back in the, this is set like in the 40s, so that was very controversial. So it's, it's a bit of a weird piece, but I really wanted to do it because it's such a great
0: piece. Well, and I have proof that it resonated well with the audience. I want to uh, share a letter that we received. Uh, this is from James and Barbara in Mendota Heights, and they went to see The Most Happy Fella. And they wrote, "Uh, this letter is provoked by a delightful entertainment experience we had last fall when we attended a splendid performance of The Most Happy Fellow rendered by the Skylark Opera Theater. The artistic excellence and professionalism of this production greatly impressed us and its beauty took our breath away. And that speaks to the music that speaks to your work, Bob, with with uh, stepping through the difficult to tell story and making sure that it leaves the yeah. audience with with the right takeaway. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, I might say too, I think Skylark, as an organization, really excels in taking on those challenging pieces and 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 finding a way to present them, to make them relevant, and to bring them well, to the Twin Cities. I hope so, thank you. And that's so nice that my parents wrote that letter. I
1: really appreciate that. Um, <laughs> they're not really my parents. <laughs> no. That was a joke, just so you know. But uh, James uh, no. and Barbara, thank you. Thank you, you James yeah. and Barbara, that's very kind of you. Um, I, I am very uh, disinterested in doing shows that just sort of copy the Broadway productions. Um, I'll be controversial and say that I think there's a lot of that that's going, that goes around and it just doesn't interest me. I, I am much more interested in finding um, a different way to tell a story. Not that the Broadway productions obviously aren't fantastic, but I, I don't, I don't want to copy them. I want to do something unique.
0: I think you've given us a really good feel for, for your position as artistic director, uh, especially at Skylark mm-hmm. in particular, with mm-hmm. this group but but there have to be some surprising moments <laughs> What are some of the I think that these are often called other duties as assigned <laughs> so what do you find yourself doing that might surprise some listeners who aren't, who you know aren't familiar oh. maybe with the inner workings of of how this all works, because it does take a village to pull off a production.
1: Oh, it does, and especially when you work for a small organization Mm -hmm. and you wear lots of hats, which is, you know, most of the time it's great fun. But, I mean, for example, you know, Skylark rarely performs in traditional proscenium theaters. Right. We usually perform in spaces that have um, uh, seating that
0: can be arranged differently for each occasion. There was just a show that moved around... Uh, into different rooms. Yeah, and
1: women's club. Yeah,
0: and in that was that was great. So there yeah. was like a dining scene, right? And then exactly. the audience got to partake. But people might be surprised to see me an hour before curtain
1: desperately counting the chairs and making sure they're lined up and that the sight lines are all clear um, because that's one of my jobs for the experience that mm-hmm. the audience is going to have is make sure that the room is set up correctly. So it's counting chairs. You might be surprised when I once was pulled over for speeding and my car no. was... No. so filled with furniture and props <laughs> that the policeman was basically like what is what going is on here yeah. sir yeah i had this huge like
0: like i a- hope he gave you a warning and let you carry on he did i mean i don't Thank know if you. he
1: thought i was i Thank Thank you. Officer, he thought I was later. moving. He was like, "Are you moving today?" I'm like, "Well, kind of." But <laughs> I'm creating a my own world. But
0: you don't have to worry right. about the seats and their position in a traditional theater where they're bolted to the floor and the you know the right. stage is the stage. And uh, yeah. and and in this out of the box thinking that Skylark really does so well and brings to the Twin Cities art mm-hmm. scene, <laughs> uh, there are other uh, responsibilities that occasionally pop up <laughs> that you have to worry yeah, about. And yeah, and
1: that, that's fine. I mean, anybody who works for a nonprofit has stories like that, you know, because mm-hmm. we don't have, even a very large nonprofit, we don't have big staffs. We have a lot of things that we take on ourselves, and that's part of the fun of it, I know? think.
0: Most Happy Fellow was a, a, a really great show, and we're looking forward to this season. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in just a bit, maybe one of the future episodes here. But uh, before we go on episode number three, I want to ask you, what does your work with Skylark... Um, how does your work with Skylark impact you? What does being an artistic director bring to you? This is, this has to be fulfilling oh. for you to be able to to exercise these creative muscles. That's such a good question.
1: Well, it allows... I think it allows me to think about these pieces in a different way and what that means is that it makes me feel that I need to be more sensitive to a larger world. That I think we we live in a world now, in a society now where we can't just, oh, how do I articulate this? We can't just tell the same stories over and over. There are too many things influencing us Uh, The way we treat people and the way we look at our differences and Mm -hmm. our similarities, and we're living in such fractured times that, I mean, I feel the arts has a responsibility to try to bring us together and to address that. So I think I've become way more socially conscious and sensitive than mm-hmm. I was probably five years ago. It's even changed um,
0: you through through the years. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah, which, you know, for the better, I hope. But it's also fascinating to me how the arts have, in a relatively short time, really stepped up to kind of address what's going on in our society. Right. Whereas I think for quite a while, we were unchanging and pretty conservative, and not much was happening as far as social outreach. Well, you want the
0: the audience member to leave feeling fulfilled to have that catharsis Mm -hmm. right well yeah the takeaway
1: yeah fulfilled but also you know asking questions of themselves and and wondering about things they saw that that either confirm a belief system or maybe
0: challenge a belief system and as artistic director it's your job to 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 create the performance that (sighs) does that and and light Mm -hmm. that spark yeah i hope i hope Well, Bob, you've done a nice job of pulling back the curtain here and uh, getting us an inside look at what it's like to be artistic director for Skylark Opera Theater. Before we go, I wanted to ask you as well: What would you say to people who maybe have stumbled upon our pod, our friendly little podcast here, (laughs) and who've never seen a Skylark show? Mm -hmm. What would you? And I'm sure you do this all the time when you bump into people what would you say to them? What do you want them to know about the different kind of experience they're going to get and, and, and what they're getting when they buy that ticket?
1: Well, I think it's just the uniqueness of having it be so close and personal to you. I, I, this is one of the things that always resonates to me with me anew every time I sit as an audience member and watch a Skylark show. And that is when you're five feet away from somebody who's, singing their brains out and acting their heart out. <laughs> right. It's a very unique experience. And it reminds you that you're not at home watching Netflix um, or listening to something on your wonderful, gigantic television. Um, and and I sometimes forget the immediacy of these things. I've done this for a very long time, so I'm very used to being close to singers and actors in in the rehearsal room. But I've watched people... When they're sitting right next to somebody who's singing their heart out, and the way, just in their face, you can see that the emotion. Just, well, yeah, and they're mesmerized, and they're astounded, and they're maybe a little scared, which is fine. Yeah. But they're ultimately then sharing that world with that performer, and mm-hmm. it's easy it's hard to know what that's like unless you really experience it. You can imagine it, but until you experience it and feel literally the vibrations of a performance, mm-hmm. that's an extraordinary thing.
0: And a performer who's in the moment, yeah, feet yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. I've heard stories of from Skylark performances where the, the performers are like in the next chair in the oh, audience, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they're singing right there. Well, and you can't replicate that if you're no. on stage, you know, we are the audience and you are the performers. You have to break down that wall.
1: Well, I also think it helps people understand understand that that we're all just people and we're just telling a story in right. other words when you see things in the movie screen on television even in a very large stage there's a sense of removal i mean the, it's not necessarily as real those people don't seem as real as the person sitting and standing right mm-hmm. next to
0: you in the room telling
1: you. you this story Telling you personally this story.
0: Ah, well, we are telling you a story here on this podcast Ooh, episode. Nice segue. And we are <laughs> so glad that you've taken a little time uh, with us as we've been enjoying this conversation with uh, Bob New, the artistic director for Skylark Opera Theater. Skylark, if you're not familiar, just based right in St. Paul and uh, the group really works to bring accessible and relevant uh, opera and musical theater productions Mm -hmm. to the Twin Cities. We're so proud of the work. We've got a lot of work uh, cooking up right now for the 40th anniversary season. But uh, this was our third episode. Appreciate your time listening to us. And until next time, I'm Matt Belanger. If you can make a gift to support Skylark Opera Theater,
1: you can do that online at skylarkopera.org. Plus, stay up to date with Skylark's latest productions and find ticket information too at skylarkopera.org. You can also like us on Facebook. Just search Skylark Opera Theater. Season two of The Bazness is now out.
0: Join our new host, Jane Froiland, as she talks with performers, designers, puppet makers, and more about their process in making art in Minnesota. The BasNess
1: was conceived and created by Sam Landman and returns for our second season with 11 new episodes available on all major listening platforms. Part between two ferns,
0: part inside the actor's studio in all Minnesota. This is The Bazness.